the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Today the title of this sermon is, How God Changes Us. How God Changes Us. God is in the life-changing business. The goal of Christianity is change lives. Nobody can change lives like Jesus Christ. His entire ministry was about changing lives. No one he encountered remained the same. Jacob is an excellent example of how God in his mercy steps into human life at particular moments when we feel inadequate to deal with the vicissitudes of life. So we are most open to divine intervention when we feel ashamed, when we feel afraid, when we feel lonely, as perhaps at no other time. When God wanted to change Jacob's life, he led him through four phases which serve as a model for how God works in our life today. When we understand this, life makes a lot more sense. The first phase is a crisis. Is anybody listening to me today in a crisis situation? I would say congratulations, because God is getting ready to make a change in your life. From my experience as pastor over these years, I would say that the majority of people that I've led to Jesus Christ or who choose to join the church were either in a crisis or coming out of a crisis and felt they needed God in their lives. It could be a health crisis, a financial crisis, a family crisis, a marriage crisis, a relationship crisis, or a career crisis, or any number of situations you felt inadequate to deal with. For some of you, your biggest struggle is or was with God. You wanted to be in control of your life. You wanted to do as you felt like doing. You did not want God to interfere with what you're doing. You simply went ahead and made decisions on your own, leaving God out of the picture altogether. But then you discovered that that is a battle that you can't win. You see, we have an amazing example in this 
of this in the Bible. In Genesis 32, we have the story of Jacob, who had an unusual wrestling match with God. And some of you here understand what a wrestling match is. From time to time, I, I watch wrestling matches. Um, and I know that um, you don't always win wrestling matches. There are, uh, there are certain things that have to occur before you can win a match. But Jacob had a family crisis. His brother Esau was angry with him for stealing his birthright or his inheritance. And uh, Jacob left home uh, to go to live with his uncle Laban. And he got very rich, stealing from his uncle. And now after a number of years after he had made a fortune, he decided to return home to make peace with his brother Esau. He's now on his way, but fearful of what might happen when he saw his brother. He had sent um, gifts ahead of time so that um, uh, his brother would know that uh, he was really sorry for what he did. So we pick up this story in Genesis 32, and starting at verse 22 uh, through 25, it says, Jacob got up in the middle of the night and took his wives, his 11 children, and everything he owned across to the other side of the Jabbok River. For safety. Afterwards, Jacob went back and spent the rest of the night alone. A man came and fought with Jacob until just before daybreak. When the man saw that he could not win, he struck Jacob on the hip and threw it out of joint. Now, some people have engaged in a debate as to who this man was. Of course, the, the story tells us who the, who the man was. And uh, Hosea chapter 12 and 13 said, Even in the womb, Jacob struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with God. Amen. You see, Jacob fought all his life. Now, how do you struggle with your twin brother before you are, you are born? The Bible says that when Jacob's twin brother Esau was coming out of the womb, Jacob was holding onto his ankle. All his life, he had been in a struggle with his brother. But his biggest struggle was really with God. Now think of the biggest problem that you have right now. Regardless of what it is, I can tell you two things about it. One Will you obey God in this situation and do what he says is right, whether you like it or not? And two, will you trust God in this situation to handle it for you? No matter what the problem is, financial, physical, relational, social, career-wise, it comes down to are you going to do the right thing and obey God, and are you going to trust God to handle it for you? Our biggest problem is not obeying and trusting God. And that makes the problem even bigger. 
is that the root of all of our problems is our struggle with God, even though we don't realize it. We want to be in control of our lives. We want to do as we want to, as we will. And so God brings it to a boiling point, and he allows a crisis that we are all familiar with. God allows a crisis in our life to get our attention. Why? Because we really change until the pain we feel exceeds our fear of change. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. But the second phase is a refusal to change. In verse 26, Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Because it is God Jacob is fighting with, God could have overpowered him very easily and ended the wrestling match instantly. But when God allows a crisis in our life, he doesn't solve it immediately. He lets it go on for a while. He wants to see if we really want to change. If God answered our prayers immediately, we would think God is like a big vending machine. You put in a prayer and you get whatever you need. Someone listening to me uh, today might, might say, I'm so in debt and I'm praying for a financial miracle. Well, the question could be asked, do you get into debt supernaturally or in, in ways that you had no idea? The truth is that we work hard at getting into debt. You may not think so, but we work hard. We made foolish decisions. We spend more than we made. We didn't save for the crises that inevitably come in life. We didn't use our money wisely. And if God just bailed us out of our financial crisis tomorrow, then we would go out and overspend again. We'd feel God is just going to bail me out every time I blow it so I can go out and get into debt again. You would learn no discipline, no money management, no wisdom, no persistence. God will help you to get out of debt, but he's not going to do it instantly. Otherwise, you don't learn the lessons that you need to learn, and you'll go right back in the same pattern again. You see, God wants to build our character. He wants to teach us persistence. He wants to teach us wisdom. Many people miss God's best in life because they give up too soon. I prayed about it. How many times? Twice or three times? You see, God wants to see if we really mean business. Do we mean business enough to pray about it over and over and over, day after day? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, 
we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If you are in a crisis right now, if you have a major problem that you are dealing with, hang in there. Don't give up. Don't run from it. Stick it out. The problem we have in our life didn't get there overnight. We worked years in getting ourselves into a mess. We have a lot of ingrained patterns, bad responses, wrong habits, wrong ways of responding. We became who we are with all of our insecurities built up over many years. And so God isn't going to remove them all at once. He wants us to understand what is going on, and so he delays until the time is right and we are ready to make a decision. But the third phase is an admission that we, we are the problem. We start blaming other people. It's so easy to blame others. I know people who do that. And it drives me up the wall when people go back and, and uh, talk about their, their parents, what they did or didn't do uh, 20, 30, or 40 years before without accepting responsibility for the decisions that they're making uh, right now. So we need to come to the point where we admit that I am the problem with my life. Genesis 32, 20, and verse 27 says, What is your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Now this is a very strange question because God obviously knew Jacob's name. Why is he asking Jacob's name? Because Jacob needed to own up to who he was. In the Old Testament, people were, uh, were named for their character. The name Jacob means deceiver, manipulator, liar, a guy who would cheat you out of your last dollar. And Jacob lived up to his name his entire life until this point. He ripped off everybody. He lied to his dad, who was going blind. He cheated his brother Esau out of his rightful inheritance. He used his, um, his uh, uncle, who also became his father-in-law. He used his wife and his wives. He was one big manipulator. So when Jacob says, my name is Jacob, he is owning up to who he really is. It's an act of confession. I wonder if we were named for our greatest character flaw, what would be our name? Would it be greedy, bitter, angry, uncontrollable temper, lustful, depressed, fearful, gossip? Here's the insight. We will never be able to change until we honestly admit our sin, our weakness, our fault, our character defect to ourself first and then to God. One of the most humbling things in the world is to admit this is who I am and I am and you can fill the blank 
right now in your mind. I'm a warrior, I'm a domineering person, I'm an addict, I'm a manipulator, and you fill in the blank. So stop making excuses if you want to change. Stop justifying. Stop blaming other, other people. When you come to God and say, God, I want to own up to my weaknesses, to own up to my sins, God is not going to be surprised. He made you. He watched every moment of your life. He knows you, and he loves you, and he wants to change you. But the fourth phase is the transformation or conversion. You see, in a conversion or in a transformation, we are given a new identity. Look at God's loving and gracious response to Jacob's confession. Verses 28 through 30. Your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied, but did not answer. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. So now the transformation begins. Notice three things happen. He gets a brand new identity. God says, your name is Jacob the manipulator, but you are not going to be called by that name anymore. You're going to be called Israel, which means prince with God. A whole nation is named after Jacob. God says, I know you're conniving, Jacob. I've seen you uh, all your years, what you've done, but I see you as a prince. It's beneath all our emotional hang-ups, all of our insecurities, all of the stuff that we don't want anyone else to know about. God says, I see you as a prince. God would say that to each of us today. Beneath all of your hang-ups, I see a princess, I see a prince. Beneath all of your sins, all of the things you have done wrong in life, I see great potential in you. You can be something great in my kingdom. You can be what I made you to be, not what you are now, but what I made you to be if you turn your life over to me. If you simply accept the fact that you are a sinner and you uh, allow me to change to change you. Then two, it says, then he blessed him there. If you want God's blessing, you have to take the steps to receiving the blessings of God. And three, then Jacob is given a reminder of his experience so he will never forget what happened to him the rest of his life. God gave him a limp. Verses 31 and 32, 
the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. See, when you really meet God, you will never walk the same again. If you say, I'm a Christian, and your life has not changed one bit, then you are not telling the truth. You are not really a Christian from a biblical perspective. You cannot meet someone as great as God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and not have your life changed in some respects. What is the significance of Jacob's limp? One, it stopped Jacob's lifelong pattern of running. Before he met God, he was constantly creating trouble and then running away from it. He was the most irresponsible person you can imagine. He was always running from problems that he created. And God said, I can stop that. I'll just give you a limp and you'll never run again. It's a reminder of what God is doing in our lives or can do in our lives. And the other thing the limb signifies is a daily reminder to depend upon God. God touched Jacob at his greatest point of strength, his hip, his, um, uh, hip muscle, or his, uh, which is the, the largest muscle in his body and created a weakness out of it. From that point on, Jacob was going to have to stand in God's power, not his own. Jacob leaves the situation both stronger and weaker, stronger in that he is not the same person anymore. There has been a conversion, a transformation. All the junk in his past has been dealt with by God but also weaker because now he's going to have to depend on God's strength. You see, God does his deepest work in our lives when he deals with our identity. You are who you are, and the way you see yourself affects everything in your life. We tend to act according to the way we think about ourselves. When we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, it's going to change us. And we can start acting in a whole new way. Only Jesus can change us the way we need to be changed. He is the specialist in new identities. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. That's from the contemporary English version. But when God comes into your life, you will notice the changes that take place. With new ears, you can listen to the preached word. With new eyes, you can look at each other as God's creation. 
With new enthusiasm, you can carry out your responsibilities. With new attitudes, you can confront your difficulties. With new desires, you can hunger after righteousness. With new goals, you can labor for the kingdom of God. With new feet, you can walk in holiness. With new knees, you can kneel in prayer before God. With new tongues, we can praise and magnify the great God who has um, redeemed us. With, new, with uh, new hearts, we can express love towards others. With new minds, we can contemplate the things of God. With new values, we can place God first and foremost in our lives. With a new outlook, we can face each new day. And with a new glow, we can reflect the glory of God throughout our lives. Brothers and sisters, we must never forget the moment of our conversion. We must never forget the cost of our redemption. We must never forget the change of our destination, the joy of our salvation, the purpose of our lives, the time of our baptism, the importance of our faithfulness, the necessity of our commitment, the reason for our hope, and we should never forget the glory of our future. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy over my soul like sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.